Hi everyone, it is now 5 p.m. on this Wednesday evening in Kingston, and you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM, www.cfrc.ca. Welcome to this week's segment of Today in YGK with me, your host, Alexandra Fernandez. Today in YGK brings you need-to-know news about what's going on right here in our beautiful city of Kingston. From current news, special segments, and interviews with some amazing guests, I'm sure you'll find something of interest that gets you to tune in. If you have any news to share, be sure to contact me via email at news at cfrc.ca. So without further ado, let's get right into it. I hope you enjoy the show. We hope that you're having a great day so far. I'm Alexandra Fernandez. Today joining me in our virtual studio, I have with me Christine Harvey to chat with us about a performance play that is being held next Friday, March 26th in support of the New Leaf Link, a charitable organization that supports adults with developmental disabilities. Let's welcome Christine onto CFRC 101.9 FM. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me today. Yes, thank you for joining me. Um, So before we get into it, um, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So um, I'm a theatre professional in the community, um, mostly in and around Kingston. And um, for uh, 20-ish years, I've been working in theatre in schools and in in the community, having lots of fun with that. And um, and as of late, uh, with uh, COVID-19, things have changed. <laughs> so, mm. so, yes. Awesome. And what's sort of like your history and past experience in the world of acting and theater? Can you kind of go into it a little bit more and elaborate for us? Absolutely. So I actually um, took my undergrad at Queen's University, and it was a wonderful uh theater program. Um, And so that's where I received my training. And then uh, I went to Teachers College right afterwards. So uh, mixing uh, theater with with teaching uh, seemed very natural. So um, I started teaching in a regular classroom, but then wanted to focus on on theater. Um, And so for for years, I've been uh, running uh, performances. I, I mostly uh, direct and I'm a professional playwright. And so that's where most of my experience lies. But I'm also someone who believes on, on uh, that I should get on stage, you know, once or twice a year, just um, because that uh, it makes it so that I'm a more effective communicator to, um, to actors and to understand um, what they're going through and how to see the big picture. And one thing about theater, for those people who are involved, they know that um, uh, just because you're involved in one aspect of it, it really is a community. So you actually are involved in all aspects. So in in um, in the costuming and the and uh, the the lighting and 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 everything. So you're part of the community, and so you at least know the people that are are doing that, or you're also um, making those things um, happen and come to life. So especially as a director, you're sort of overseeing everything. So that's something I love about theater is the feeling of community and the feeling that um, you can you can be involved in all those different aspects and and uh, improve your your talents and skills in, in many different areas. So um, so most of my experience is in directing and um, and playwriting, a little bit in acting. And so each year we try to put on um, you know usually 
seven productions a year. And then we have lots of uh, smaller productions in schools. So we put the, usually about maybe 20 a year in the schools. Wow. Um, in addition wow. to our bigger performances, usually at least that, sometimes more. And, um, and we, uh, we also run uh, theater camps. And so, uh, um, you know, uh, every week in the summer at one time, and then sometimes four weeks of the summer, we'll have a performance. So we put on quite a few shows in a year. They, they add up very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds like it. But it's a good way to, you know, keep yourself, keep the community engaged for sure. Um, so you have a group of folks called the Not-So-Amateur Amateurs who have put together an online murder mystery play that folks can virtually attend and participate in. And it's all in support of the new Leaf Link. Um, can you tell us more about this group, the Not-So-Amateur Amateurs? Uh, yes. So um, the Not-So-Amateur Amateurs uh, was founded and uh, it's I think it's been 16 years now. I think yeah. I've kind of lost track, but it's been a while. And so I was involved in theater before that, but then, um, uh, and I've worked with lots of great organizations with really um, concentrated on families um, and all ages though, teenagers and adults, and but also for young people. And so, and, and so we started up the Not So Amateur Amateurs and, and um, it's been connecting all over Kingston camps, as I said, um, we do young people's performances. That's what we're really known for. But we also do adult performances, teenage performances, and we mix ages together too. So, you know, sometimes we have like family performances where the whole family will perform. And um, most of our content is family friendly, although we do have um, comic nights and stuff like that, that, you know, <laughs> are more adult appropriate. Uh, so we, we like to do all aspects of theater and have something for everyone. And it is really about community. So that started with Jen Zwiers uh, about 15, 16, 17 years ago. It's been a while. And we've been going strong uh, since then. Uh, lots of performances at lots of different theater spaces in the community. Um, and, um, and I can tell you a little bit about New Leaf Link, the amazing organization that we are um, that we are supporting because I'm actually an instructor for New Leaf Link. Okay. I'm their theater instructor. And um, it's definitely my favorite place to hang out uh, when, when it's a place we can hang out. Right now they are running online. They have amazing uh, instructors and, and, and participants and community there. Everybody there is amazing and they really love and believe in what they're doing. Um, and they run um, really top quality programs uh, um, in, in, for for people in the community, and it, it's about bringing uh, all aspects of the community together. So sometimes um, people with special needs might feel on the fringe. Well, this is a way of of everybody sort of recognizing everyone else and coming together and and being part of the community and being recognized. So putting them at the forefront. It's a really amazing community uh, organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds really lovely. Um, and. In terms of the proceeds from this um, interactive play, um, what will it help with in regards to New Leaf Link? Absolutely. So um, once we get running again <laughs> in person, uh, you know, you have the the rental of the space, you have um, you have insurance concerns, you have uh, um, instructors that they have in. We have um, uh, it just you know just to run a program like this. Uh, the, it it um it takes 
it takes capital. So, so those are the types of things that it goes to support. And um, they have a beautiful space in Harrismith that we were really looking forward to getting back to. So. Sounds awesome. Yeah. I think so we're making all those programs possible. Yeah. We're all waiting <laughs> to go back to regular things in person. That's for sure. Fingers crossed soon with all the <laughs> vaccine work and progress that's being done in the region. Yeah. Um, and for folks who have never attended an online murder mystery play, um, something super interactive, um, what can people expect from participating in it? Well, first of all, they're obviously not alone. I think that most people, uh, this is a new thing for them. And, um, and uh, so when, when our theater project sort of changed and moved online, uh, different types of, of theater performances um, lend themselves more easily to the Zoom platform. <laughs> and so um, we've been working on these theater pieces and we've, um, we've worked on them in, um, in the school setting uh, and with the high schools and they seem to work really well. So um, because of the um, format of these is often, you know, you have the information, it's given to you and then you get to guess and you get to um, interact with your audience. So when you're on, um, you uh you know that you're an audience member and there's and but yet it's written specifically for zoom and so um the actors are so excited to to get to um get together and perform again and they have so much fun and it's like it's uh you see um aspects of theater that you really loved like for example the great characters right and the funny the funny jokes and scripts and the little bit of improv Mm -hmm. all those things are there but different things become you know more important like um like outfits and stuff like that you know you really more respect like the choices they're making um with their makeup and their their outfits and also like the set dressing these actors they all usually you know i sort of oversee all of that but now each individual is responsible for their their outfits and their set dressing and their props and they do an amazing and they react the whole time and they and um it's fun and you can and they, and they have little props that they're interacting with these things take on a, a new meeting and uh, um as a director uh i'm just i'm so much more appreciative of of the individuality that each person brings to it not just in their character and their depiction of of um of their characters but in the extra aspects that they bring to it like the the prop and the costumes and things so mm -hmm. definitely no that sounds really awesome and i like that um you know obviously it could be challenging as a director and just being part of like a virtual play you know you don't kind of get the same type of collaborative experience that you usually do but it's really great that you can kind of see that silver lining and see how people can bring their individuality to it that's really awesome yes absolutely and um you know there's some things that we really miss like the applause <laughs> like the laughter you know we don't we and it's different now we they look at the chat bar and for their, for their feedback or we send out a little message afterwards saying you know uh anything you want to communicate to the actors and then we send it out an email uh later so it's it's very different the accolades that that they receive and the format in which they receive it mm. um and there's a lot to balance when you're on screen so we have somebody that's sort of more in charge of the tech aspect so that they can worry about that because you know they're trying to balance um other things so so because that's where you're getting your feedback from it sort of comes 
later. It's mm-hmm. not immediate. And so that's something that they're adjusting to. And, right. but they're just at the end, they're always just so happy to have got to spend time with other theater people with, with an audience who adores them. Yeah, definitely. No, that sounds really awesome. Um, and the last question is how can people participate? How can they register for this awesome event? Well, we're looking so forward to having um, the audience for the 26th. We had two shows um, in uh, early February, uh, no, early March, sorry, early March. And um, they went very well. Uh, the audience was very happy. They um, really pointed out the aspects of, um, you know, the characterization. The actors are always reacting. The improv, the interaction with the audience, those things were the things that the, uh, the audience Uh, loved and missed. And so on the 26th, um, the best way to find us is by contacting um, myself uh, and my email is mydramaqueen at gmail.com or you can find us on Snapped Kingston. Um, So that's that's a great way to get a ticket. Um, We're on Facebook. And so if you look up New Leaf Link, they have um, you know, information on, on this fundraiser, but also just on um, their programs in the community and um, what an amazing organization they are. So uh, we definitely want you to join us. And so uh, we'll, uh, we'll make sure you, you find us. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Snapped Kingston. And yeah, so. Awesome. Thank you so much, Christine, for coming um, into our virtual studio today um, to discuss this amazing event. Um, For tickets, they're only $25 and are in support of a great organization. Like Christine said, you can contact her via email at mydramaqueen at gmail.com. The show is taking place next week, Friday, March 26th at 7 p.m. online. Thank you so much for joining me. It was really great speaking with you. Thank you so much for having us on and taking the time. We're really excited to get the word out to people. Thank you. We're back and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM. Just a few news updates for you folks. Property owners, you should have now received your interim property tax bill. Please plan to pay your property taxes by March 31st. The City of Kingston deferred the interim property tax deadline normally due at the end of February to help alleviate some of the financial pressure caused by COVID-19. Property taxes are an important source of revenue for a city and allow for the delivery of essential services. Property owners are encouraged to use payment options that do not require lining up at the City Hall Payment Center. Payment methods are provided with your bill and can also be found at cityofkingston.ca slash tax. If you plan to pay at City Hall, please wear a face covering and be prepared to maintain physical distance. And if you didn't receive your property tax bill, please call 613-546-0000, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday to Friday to ask for it. Failure to receive your bill does not excuse you from payment or from penalties for late payment. Kingston firefighters and a panel of Canada's top carbon monoxide safety experts joined forces online in a virtual event to warn area residents of the dangers of the silent killer. Kingston Deputy Fire Chief Kevin Donaldson, along with Canada's leading carbon monoxide safety advocate John Gignac, Bonnie Rose, CEO of Stu Seaton, and investigator for the Technical Standards and Safety Authority, and John Ward, alarm technology expert from First Alert, delivered vital insights into the lethal gas that is impossible for humans to see, smell, or taste. 
hosted as part of an Eastern Ontario Public Education Blitz organized by TSSA, the province's public safety regulator for fuel safety. The virtual event revealed that more than 65% of all carbon monoxide deaths and injuries occur in homes. Keeping your family safe is a shared responsibility, says Deputy Fire Chief Donaldson. We are here to respond to emergencies, but it's a homeowner's job to make sure they have working carbon monoxide and smoke alarms in their home. Without them, you are putting your family at risk. John Gignac's carbon monoxide safety crusade is personal. In December 2008, his niece, OPP safety officer Lori Hawkins, her husband Richard, and their two children, Cassandra and Jordan, were unfortunately killed by carbon monoxide in their Woodstock home. Their gas fireplace had a malfunctioning exhaust system, forcing lethal gas back into their home, and they did not have a CO alarm. Following the accident, Gignac created the Hawkins Gignac Foundation for Carbon Monoxide Education to advocate for mandatory CO alarm laws and warn all Canadians about the dangers of carbon monoxide. In 2014, the Ontario government made it law that every home with the potential source of carbon monoxide or an attached garage must have at least one working CO alarm. That law, the Hawkins-Gignac Act, passed with unanimous all-party support in honour of the Hawkins and Gignac families. I can't change what happened to my family, but I can help make sure it doesn't happen to anyone else, Gignac said. Start by having a TSSA certified technician inspect all of your fuel burning devices each year. Then install carbon monoxide alarms outside all sleeping areas of your home. And remember to check that alarms aren't older than the lifespan recommended by manufacturers, usually 7 to 10 years. A provincial regulator for technical devices and equipment in many sectors, a main one being fuels, TSSA routinely partners with community leaders to help enhance the reach of its safety messages. As part of this campaign, a series of information pamphlets are being dropped by Canada Post to Kingston area households in March. When most people think about the threat of carbon monoxide, they tend to focus on their furnace, said TSSA regional investigator Stu Seaton. Yet the average home could have four or more fuel-burning appliances that produce carbon monoxide, gas and wood, fireplaces, gas water heaters and stoves, as well as portable gas generators and barbecues are common sources. If these devices are not inspected and maintained, small deficiencies or leaks can have disastrous consequences. Our goal is to help prevent incidents before they happen, said TSSA President and CEO Bonnie Rose. Partnering in communities with local safety experts such as Deputy Fire Chief Donaldson helps get the message out. We all share the same goal, to keep Ontarians safe. Other tips shared at the event included carbon monoxide weighs about the same as air, so CO alarms can be plugged down low into an electrical socket or installed on the ceiling as part of a combination smoke and carbon monoxide alarm. The best location to install CO alarms is outside sleeping areas, not in furnace rooms. Treat every alarm as an emergency. Never presume a ringing alarm is a false alarm. Purchase certified alarms from reputable retailers. And homeowners can find a TSSA certified registered fuel contractor at cosafety.ca. The event continued with a donation of 45 carbon monoxide alarms provided by First Alert, accepted by Deputy Fire Chief Donaldson. The alarms will be provided to area homes in need. We are greatly 
We are extremely grateful to First Alert for the alarm donation as it helps provide peace of mind to families who might not otherwise be in a position to purchase an alarm themselves, especially in light of COVID-19, said Deputy Chief Donaldson. Representing the Ontario Municipal Fire Prevention Officers Association, Kingston Fire Inspector Del Blakeney then concluded the virtual event by presenting the Jim Copeland Award to John Gignac. The prestigious annual award recognizes significant contributions made by a citizen or group to the prevention of fire and the public education of life safety in the community. Mr. Gignac responded by saying, I'm humbled that our foundation has been singled out, but educating Canadians about carbon monoxide is a team effort. Fire departments, TSSA, and community groups all play a key role in spreading the word about this deadly gas. More safety tips are available at endthesilence.ca and cosafety.ca. After a quiet weekend, City Bylaw Enforcement, Kingston Police and KFLNA Public Health are thanking residents for working together to avoid large gatherings and keep the Kingston community safe. A drop in charges from the evening of March 12th to March 13th indicates that most residents are adhering to the March 4th Section 22 order, limiting gatherings of more than five individuals who do not live together. This is a promising trend as we head into the St. Patrick's Day week, says Kyle Campo, Manager of Licensing and Enforcement for the City. While there were relatively few calls relating to illegal gatherings, continued care and attentiveness is still needed. We need to keep working together to reduce the risk of community COVID-19 transmission. Even one illegal gathering poses a significant risk to the greater community. While the trend was generally positive, bylaw enforcement was troubled by one instance of an illegal gathering with more than 140 individuals in attendance on March 12th before the Section 22 order went into effect. The situation is still currently under investigation. From March 12th to the 14th, bylaw enforcement responded to eight calls for noise violations and four calls for social gatherings, resulting in four fines under the city's administrative monetary penalties program and one charge under the Section 22 order limiting gatherings. From March 13th to 14th, Kingston Police reported responded to four noise complaints, resulting in two warnings issued. Calls for enforcement were received from across the city and addressed everything from noise concerns regarding the operation of power tools and loud music to concerns about illegal gatherings. Residents are reminded that fines for breaking COVID-19 regulations can range from $800 to $10,000 depending on a person's role in the violation. Principal and Vice Chancellor Patrick Dean has announced the appointment of Nancy Ross as Vice Principal of Research following unanimous approval by the Board of Trustees. On behalf of our entire university community, I am delighted to welcome Dr. Ross to her new role at Queen's, where her experience as an administrator and researcher will be critical, Patrick Dean, Principal and Vice Chancellor of Queen's University said, and continues to say that Dr. Ross has an excellent reputation within the research community, and that will be invaluable as we embark upon an ambitious new strategy. I am looking forward to working with her to advance the university's research mission. Dr. Ross, who is currently the Associate Vice Principal of Research and Innovation at McGill University, will succeed Vice Principal of Research Kimberly Woodhouse, who has been interim in the role since 2018. A recognized expert in population health, Dr. Ross is a Tier 1 Canada Research Chair, a member of the Department of Geography, and an associate member of the Departments of Epidemiology, Biostatistics, and Occupational Health and Epidemiology at McGill University. A social scientist by training, her award-winning interdisciplinary research has been funded mainly by the Canadian Institutes of Health Research, and she is past editor-in-chief of Health Reports, Canada's flagship population health journal. 
A proud Queen's alumna, Dr. Ross received her Bachelor of Arts and Master's of Arts degree in Geography. She obtained her PhD in Geography from McMaster University and subsequently worked as a senior research scientist with Statistics Canada, including as postdoctoral fellow with the Population Health Program of the Canadian Institute for Advanced Research. She joined McGill's faculty in 2001. I am very excited to be joining Queen's at this juncture of momentum-building Queen's, like McGill, is a U15 member and one of Canada's most research-intensive universities, playing an integral role in the fabric of the nation's research landscape, says Dr. Nancy Ross, Associate Vice Principal at McGill University and incoming Vice Principal of Research at Queen's University. As McGill's Associate Vice Principal of Research and Innovation since 2016, Dr. Ross has advanced the institution's research enterprise by providing strategic advice and counsel to the McGill community. These activities include mentoring researchers during the development of grant applications, leading the implementation of programs designed to increase success in research funding and research intensity, and developing proposals for strategic business and corporate or institutional partnerships worldwide. She also oversaw university-wide efforts to generate and support nominations of McGill researchers for major national and international prize awards. Dr. Ross is a proud Queen's alumnus. She will join Queen's senior administrative team and will oversee the vice principal research portfolio, which includes university research services, Queen's partnerships and innovation, and oversight of university-based research centers and institutes. Queen's is home to 51 Canada research chairs, including a Canada 150 research chair, and attracts approximately $200 million in research income per annum. We are very excited to have her here for her five-year term as vice principal of research on August 1st, 2021. She will be a faculty member in the Faculty of Health Sciences. That's all I have for you today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in today in YGK. And don't go anywhere because we have Campus Beat coming up next on CFRC 101.9 FM. Thank you for listening to Today in YGK, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.